Welcome to the... <laughs> no, 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 I can't do that. Let's try another one. Uh, how about this? <laughs> no, no, that won't work either. Let's try this. get on board with that. Let's roll with it. Welcome to the Begin the Begin podcast. My name is Jeff Hillemeyer, and I'm on a mission to find out what makes people tick. Not just anyone, people who are making a profound impact on the world. I want to dig into their origin story and get to the root of why and how they do what they do. I hope you are as inspired coming out of these conversations as I am. Let's get into it. On this episode of the Spun Mafia series of my podcast, I grab a few of my former team members to talk about a pivotal moment in our time working together. I'm joined by Joe Kaufman, Shannon Delaney, and Raghu Kakarala, and the moment we discuss involves a bit of an intervention with one of them, and, well, I don't want to spoil it. By the way, if you haven't already, I highly recommend you check out the other episodes of the Spun Mafia series. The focus is on the building of my first company, Spun Logic, from the early years to our sale of the business, and even five years after when we sold the business a second time. We talk about the ups and downs of our journey and share quite a few never-before-told stories. And hey, while I've got you, definitely consider subscribing on whatever platform you're listening on. I have a lot of great guests lined up that, trust me, you won't want to miss. Okay, let's get into it. Joe Kaufman, how you doing? Doing great. How are you? <laughs> Good. Good. Um, hey, we were just reminiscing about old times and you found an old document. Yeah. So, so back in the Spun Logic engaged days. So Spun Logic became engaged in let's call it let's, April let's or call May. It, let's call it March 26th of 2008. Okay. I was I was gonna say. April, April or May was like when things like we started stops, we stopped saying spun logic and started saying like, oh, we're engaged digital, uh, uh, which was the new kind of name for what right. it was. But I remember at the end of 2008, there was a lot of door closing and private meetings, probably especially with regards to the acquisition by engage and becoming part of engage. And so there was this uh, kind of backlash to all these closed door quiet meetings. And so as a leadership team, and this may have been driven by you, or it may have been driven by a larger effort, but we decided that we we're going to try to keep our doors open as much as possible and not close our office doors. And so we, the document that I found, and Raghu is joining us here, the document that I found was... Uh, we were supposed to document every single time we had to close our doors. I remember making that rule. Doors. I remember saying, you've got to write down, if your door closes, here's what, here's why. Yeah. So hey, we're, 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 hey, we're recording a quick clip about um, the door, closed door experiment and why we shouldn't close our doors and keep our doors open. And there were fun things on this list that I found, like uh, Jeff, you wrote on December 15th, half closed half closed the door as we had a conference call with NATO. <laughs> and I'm not sure who Nate, like, like NATO, like the NATO treaty, North Atlantic trade yeah. organization. 
Um, and then, and then there were others on here that were, um, <laughs> so I wrote, uh, had to close the door for five seconds because my umbrella was wedged behind it there. Do I owe a quarter? Cause I think we had to put a dollar in the jar. And then I, I also wrote one on December 17th, uh, Brad M tried to close my door for a meeting together and I wouldn't let him. I think he might've muttered weirdo under his breath. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, and then there were a series of posts from another leader that was on our team that were kind of the benefits so far of opening and closing your door and then the drawbacks of opening and closing your doors. Um, so those, I don't know if you remember the reasons for that to happen or do you remember the experiment to try to get everybody? To, I think at one point I tied my door open to yes. a rail and um, so somebody couldn't close it even if they tried. Was this on the seventeenth floor or the? No. This 20... was this was twenty second floor. Okay, but but it was it was a let's keep our doors open as much as possible, and uh, there were some there were some fun. And Jeff, you were really trying to resist. Like, here's a had a long long call with blank client to hear how we've screwed stuff up over and over and over. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds like a closed door meeting to me. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, you know, um, um, uh, one of the things um, with um, as we were leaving, um, Joe, Joe and I left. Um, oh, hey, Shannon. Hi. Um, hey. Um, Joe, Joe and I um, basically left um, Moxie at the same time, um, and um, when we were leaving, I had noticed that um, right before, maybe three or four days before I left that Susie decided that she'd have an office in our um, building as well. And she went in and actually had somebody bring some of her stuff into my office and change the name to her name. Um, and I- While I, you were I, there, I, the, the body was there. still warm. The body yeah, was yeah, still warm. Yeah, I, I had like a week left because it was something weird. Me and you timed it so we got an extra year of health insurance or something funny, uh, you know, because it went into uh, 2015 or something, or 14 or something like that officially i got three months you might have gotten a year <laughs> oops yeah right pretty sure you just violated some document he signed yeah exactly. <laughs> although although that was now seven years ago so I don't know if cares. um but talking about the door so i always had you know the door open and we had these glass walls and i sat and i'd always faced um i believe it was al's team al's team was sort of lined up in that in that corridor so it was Al um, and uh, uh, Amy uh, Marielli. Marinelli. Oh, Marinelli. Marinelli, yeah. who's awesome, by the way. Like, um, yeah. she was she was great, kind of like. Um, and then under Al, there were all sorts of people that were relatively young at the time, but ended up having really good roles in other places. So anyway, I looked right out the door. They'd always walk in and out. They, the whole thing was glass anyway. So I noticed that what had happened, they had turned the desk to look out at the view because it was a really good view, I think like south and west out, out of the office. And I'd started to rearrange the furniture to look out the window. So I wrote a little note, actually is this being recorded? This is being recorded, buddy. Uh-oh. Oh. Uh, yeah, now you really have to tell the story. <laughs> yeah, now I really have to tell <laughs> What? That's what we get, you wrote a note? Oh, no, yeah. He's I, red, I, I, look at he's blushing. Yeah. Anyway, I wrote a note to whoever was going to be taking the office over because I didn't know who was taking it yet. 
Um, oh, so it's it's like it's like the president's note to the future president. Yeah. Like, I hope you enjoy yeah. this office. If the walls can yeah. talk. So, so I just said, hey, you know, for the last X number of years, you know, I've really enjoyed watching, you know, the team in front of me grow and grow into the roles, grow into bigger roles, going on, uh, and always going on to if they do leave to going on to bigger and better things. You know, hopefully you will continue to watch over their ability to continue to grow in their careers, and then like a few. And, and a few other pieces, but I knew already that the desk was turned to look outdoor to to look the other way. You're gonna have to tell us what was written, buddy. I should have actually taken a picture of that. I, I never <laughs> I did. I still. I, I wonder if I still had my BlackBerry back then. But All uh, right. probably. Shannon, it's yeah. so good to see you. I know it's so good to see you guys too. Aww. And she, and she works for an agency now again. Yeah, I know. Like we're all group. we're almost all competitors now. Oh. Yeah, hey Shannon, what's the new what's the new thing? What's the new thing? What do you mean? Yeah, yeah, you Good just lunch. switched like in the last three months ago, right? Uh, like three weeks. Three yeah. weeks. Yeah, sorry, I meant to say week. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I joined the team at launch, so I'm heading up brand and marketing strategy for launch, and we're gonna kind of re reposition and repivot, add some new services, and uh, getting back in the game. So, and also exciting. Lynn Pulsifer joined that team. Yes. Yeah. She's about two weeks ahead of me, I think. Such a good team. And then we have a yeah, new man. UX, uh, a new UX director too. So lots of new leadership. So no, no, <laughs> nobody, somebody. Hey, hey, how many of you have a chicken named after you by a client? Oh, this is true. He does. He does. I do too. You do too. I never made yeah. the cut and, on that and, one. And, and Brad Marafeather. That's right. Marafeather. Nice. Right. Client is this? Mayhen is Wellstar Health System. Yes. Uh, I, there's Jojo. Yeah. Jojo has soul, soul feet. Mayhen, Brad Marafeather, Marafeather. And I forget there's one or two more. Did Tomer there. get one? Uh, Tomerific. Yeah, not Tomerific, but uh, Tomarina. Tomarina. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, that she's a good, she was a good egg layer for what I hear. Uh, it's, yeah, Tomer's a good egg layer. Oh, that could that could lead us into this conversation for today because I used to have scream fests with Tomer behind closed doors about pricing. Um, hey Jeff, on any podcast with Joe, Joe's the moderator. You just gotta (laughs) get used to that. (laughs) Well, we we all have different versions of this particular story we're gonna tell. So I'm gonna I'm gonna lead us down a path. Um, but but Joe will certainly have his turn. So, um, but what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna cut out most of what we just talked about. We uh, Shannon, we started while we were waiting, talking about the uh, rule that we put in place at one point about having to have doors open in your office. Um, so we just did a little bit on that. And then Ragu open. told a terrible The dogs might come just, in. <laughs> here, Ragu and Shannon, you can see what we were talking about. I, found, I, was, looking for, I was looking for a list of stuff that, um, like my notes from 20, 2008, and all I could find was this reasons I had to keep my door closed. <laughs> I closed my door and it's hilarious. Were well, so, you selling a case on that to somebody? I, you know, I do like the fact that you do take notes, Joe, and keep them. Yeah. Well, well, I don't think this was my document. This was this was Jeff's document, I think. It, it, by the way, last edit was made May 9th, 2012 by Jeff Hillemeyer. So I don't know what made you go into this document in 2012. But Yeah, right. 2012. That, that's weird. Would that be okay. Evernote, Joe? Yeah, it's uh, Google, it's Doc, Google right? Docs. Oh, 
Um, when did the meeting happen? Just tell me that much and then I'll kick this thing off. Uh, it happened May 20th, I believe May 19th or May 20th, 2008. And the wow. only reason I know that is because what I could find <laughs> was an, a calendar invite from Ryan Tuttle, rest in peace, to Joe Kaufman, both to my Engage and my Gmail, that's from 3 to 3.30 on May 19th, location my office, and it says Hallmark Ketchup is the title of the email. I mean, of the of the meeting invite. Very sneaky. Oh, you got so, bait and switched on that? Well, really I don't know if Oof. I don't know if this was the actual okay. meeting or okay. if Ryan and I actually did have a conversation where he said, you're coming in for a meeting um, soon. Or I think so, this was the actual meeting. So late May. Yeah, got it. May. Okay, so what I'll do is when I kick this off, I'll ask each of you to say who you are and what you do. So you can announce your new positions. Your Today or positions. back then? No, today. And then okay. as we get into it, I'll ask what you were doing at the time, um, but I'll lead us from there. So you guys ready for this? We're here to tell some truths. Is Joe ready? <laughs> I know. <laughs> I know. Yeah. I've been ready. Okay. This is a really exciting episode of the Spun Mafia podcast series. Um, we are going to tell a story, a um, little, little humiliating for one of our guests, but, but he tells it. So um, this is going to be a story about a, a reckoning that happened with Mr. Joe Kaufman. But let me start by having my guests introduce themselves. Tell everybody who you are and what you do. Shannon. Shannon Delaney. I head up uh, brand and marketing strategy at launch now for like my third week. So it's very exciting. Awesome. Great, great agency. Uh, Ragu. Hey, everybody. Um, if you've watched earlier versions of this podcast, um, um, you already know who I am. Otherwise, um, I'm the former business partner of Mr. Jeff Hillemeyer um, and colleagues with Joe and Shin back in the day. Um, uh, these days, I find myself being an owner at 44, um, a large e-commerce firm here in town. Excellent. Is that how you start off all your uh, openings? I'm a former business partner of Jeff Hillemeyer. <laughs> yeah. So if you don't like me now, you probably liked me back then. <laughs> Joe Kaufman, the victim. As all I right. So I am the founder and CEO of Setup, and we're marketing matchmakers. And uh, I started Setup soon after Engage sold the Publicis Group in 2013. Great. Okay. So let me let me set the stage. Um, so, so we were building Spun Logic for years. Shannon, when did you join Spun? Two thousand six. Okay, so every year that you were a part of Spun Logic, I, I don't know if you knew this, but I was trying to recruit Joe Kaufman to come and join us and run sales. Like every year, I'd go, Joe, it's time for us to have that conversation, and we'd go have lunch, and I'd try to convince him, and I just never could. I never could. I thought he'd be the one that got away, and then he agrees to join. Um, Joe, did you know we were selling? It was right when we were about to sell. Yeah. So, so my I spent eight years at a dot com called Knowledge Storm, and we sold to uh, our biggest competitor went public, and used half of the money to buy Knowledge Storm, and that was in two thousand seven. And then I was like, in fact, I found the email thread back and forth between you and me, Jeff, where I finally said. Uh, hey, you know, we, we got acquired and I don't think I want to join the acquiring company. Do you want to talk? And so we started talking. We The conversation got more and more serious. Then. And, and you officially joined what date? Uh, December 26th, 2007. Okay. 
And then we were acquired um, March 26th, I believe, of uh, 2008, um, became part of Engage. So where, where this gets interesting is, Joe, I knew to be really good at sales and marketing. Um, I knew his work ethic. I knew his heart. I knew his smarts. I knew he could do the job. But month after month of him starting at SpunLogic and then Engage, I was hearing from the other senior leaders about how terribly Joe was doing. <laughs> uh, some were worried about his uh, knowledge of the space or lots of things. And it was, and I just knew, I'm like, this is so crazy to me because I know Joe can be successful. So I guess after six months, late May, I finally said, the only way we're going to deal with this is if we just get everybody in the same room and you guys just tell him to his face all the ways he's disappointing you. And so, so that is the impetus for this conversation. Um, I was pretty sure it was either going to work or he'd be gone. Like that, that was the two, that was the two ways. So coming into this meeting, let's hear from Ragu and Shannon about uh, working with Joe, working with Joe 1.0. Um, and yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, what led to the eventual um, thing that was inspired by the Seinfeld Festivus episode um, for the airing of the Joe, grievances, the airing of the grievances? Um, yeah. So actually with Jeff, um, I remember, um, quote unquote, whining and dining Joe. I remember meeting up at, what was it, the MF Sushi back in the day when it was on Ponce mm. um, and uh, trying to get to Joe, Joe to join and also really familiar kind of with his reputation in town, which made me surprised that he really kind of sucked at the beginning when he, uh, when he joined us. Um, and, and I didn't really expect he would suck that bad. In fact, he could very much roll with the punches. He was never, he was never felt out of place in any one social situation or being tossed into stuff. In fact, the very first time Joe and I even, I mean, Jeff and I took him on a new business call we on the drive to the new business meeting jeff and i realized that the lead was really bad and we never were going to close any business with them so we made him introduce the company on his first day and he actually didn't know what we did um yeah, i think that was with comcast here in atlanta so i was unafraid of being in a meeting with them and he could think on his feet then all of a sudden i was like really afraid to be in a meeting with them and um uh, i think shannon can delve into it a little bit more but i realized that there was a giant gap that Joe went from selling the same thing all the time to different customers to selling different things every time, sometimes to the same customer, you know, because really everything we were doing was custom, but also we were getting to learn ourselves still. We didn't have agencies are always evolving, but we didn't have our spiel down completely. And we needed to read cues in the room and figure stuff out or really just understand the space more. And Joe didn't know either. And he was used to walking confidently into every meeting, knowing the exact same thing that he knew before until we realized that we had to tell him that he actually didn't know anything. So awkward setup, but that was kind of the background. And you definitely touched on it. I think what I noticed was, um, well, there were a couple of things going on, right? We were going through our own growth spurts and pains and, you know, we would, kind of bring on something new we didn't really know how to do and we'd have to all scramble to figure out how to do it and then we would get good at that thing and then we would turn around and do the same cycle again um so i think we were all pretty used to doing that with each other um and then joe came in and i think joe was just really comfortable being able to sit down with a customer and getting a list of sort of 
requirements and problems and then basically having a solution, right? You know, and saying, well, here's what I have for you. Here's how we're going to solve it. Whereas we were living in a world where a lot of these problems um, didn't really exist or didn't have an exact solution. And we were making up a lot of it as we went. And so I think there were times when we would um, get into sales type situations where it felt like, well, the thing they were asking us to do and what we could do were really disconnected from each other or the way that it might've gotten talked about versus, you know, when we walked in uh, to talk to that customer and the way we would approach it would be really different. So I think there was just a couple of those things going on. Like I said, it's, it's really about coming from an environment. And I had done that by the way, myself, where I'd spent five years in software and everything was a, you know, feature set. So it was like really easy to sell that way and having to kind of think of a different way um, to do that. So I think there was just things that we saw up front around like qualifying prospects, as you alluded to a minute ago, um, that made it really challenging. And I know for me personally, um, I was running this tremendously fastly growing team that was servicing the Home Depot account. And we were just getting projects thrown at us left and right. So anything that felt like it was kind of keeping me from that was very frustrating if, you know, it was a, a resource drain or distraction. So I, I remember that was kind of where probably some of my frustration was coming from was like, ah, I got this big thing over here. And now I keep getting pulled over and pulled over for things that maybe were distracting. So that's probably where the source of my frustration was. And I actually like to call the meeting. I think you said reckoning. Um, you talked about Festivus. My name for that meeting was, um, here are all the following ways that you suck. That's what that meeting was for me. Yeah. Like we went around the room and it was really and truly one of the most awful things I think I've ever been part of. It was so gut-wrenching um, to sit through and be part of. I, yeah, I remember it really well. Yeah, yeah most people after those meetings, it's trying to, everybody's trying to convince you to join a 12 steps program, <laughs> you know, yeah. right. you know, so we really were looking after your best interests and said, also, I think there was a bit of a piling on just because there was so much built up. Because remember, we were going through the sales processes the busiest any of us had been at any time. Honestly, part of it was Jeff was so busy, he didn't see the things that were wrong. Mm -hmm. That's why he had to have the meeting in the first place. If you had dialed it back a year and it was May 2007 we were talking to you, there's no way Jeff would have not known for six months that you were sucking. Um, but Jeff and I were so busy from the probably the second half of 2007 all the way through May of 2008, um, where we had a full-time job of doing the roadshow, doing due diligence and running the firm that it was very easy to let something slide for a while. And it probably wasn't the only thing we let slide a little bit, um, you know, just because we had to hand some responsibilities over. So it wasn't that Jeff was clueless, Jeff was literally too busy because of all the stuff that was going on to know. Um, also, I think Jeff, uh, you and I also learned something else that we probably refined and probably are still trying to figure out how to do a contract with somebody in new business sales um, that's base and bonus, what should the bonus be about? If the bonus is equal weighted to any kind of business you bring in, you make the same thing. Are you incenting them in the right way to grow in the kind of, stuff that you want to grow in or is should a big opportunity be more involvement versus the small opportunity when should you how qualified should it be before it goes to you know people like shannon or the you know or creative or 
technology to help close it. A, lo a lot of stuff was misaligned. And every time we try to figure out new biz, I feel like I'm always still trying to figure out how to line up incentives, you know, right? Because I think incentives drive behavior in sales tremendously. Um, and that was also, there was a misalignment about mm -hmm. what size opportunity, how qualified it should be, what happens when you burn a bunch of hours from client services or the discipline leads in order to close business. Um, everything was kind of a little sideways. So Joe, um, the, b before the meeting, um, what were you thinking? Were you thinking things are going fine or there's some road bumps or were you yeah. thinking this isn't working? Well, first of all, I'm very surprised that it was May because I seem to remember this happening much earlier than that. But I think it was May based on what I've looked at now that this was happening. So keep in mind, I've been there you know, January. I, I In my brain, I thought that this whole conversation was happening like March, you know, like two or three months in, not, not longer than that. And I knew things weren't going well for me and that... <clears throat> it was clear that I was causing some frustration for the rest of the team uh, and, and little things. I mean, you know, I, I, particularly Shannon um, because her team felt the brunt of, of my um, you know, inexperience and, and, and uh, uh, you know, because, because I would come up with what I thought was a pitch, you know, an opportunity and then her team, I remember particularly Greg on your team, yeah. had to like build out the proposal because I had no idea how to build out a proposal. Oh, yeah. And, yeah. And, and I do remember several incidents over the time where it was clear to me that, and, and by the way, what I, rem, what I suspect happened was that the three main people that were airing the, the, airing the grievances came to you, Jeff, to say, you got to get rid of this guy. And then Jeff's response was, if you got a problem with something that he's doing, you can tell him. And, 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 and then, you know, you got the meeting together so that you all could then tell me directly to your point, Shannon, about all the ways that I sucked. Um, but yeah, it was clear to me that I, there were, that I was not succeeding. And I think in hindsight, it's easy to say that it was the transition from selling product to selling services that was the real gap that i was experiencing but that certainly wasn't the way it was voiced initially and that wasn't the way i i didn't see that until later that that was mm -hmm. really the issue i think that really was the issue but the, but at the time i i just you know i knew yeah. there was a problem i didn't i really don't know, know that any of us saw it that way back then yeah. because we were just so freaking busy and yeah time lets you you know, step back from that. I think what, what was really challenging for me was you are without question, one of the nicest people that I ever have met even to this day. And so you just sort of like the, I, the way I described it and I, it, it sounds terrible, you know, I love you, but I said, Joe's just like this idiot savant of relationships, like in that everybody loves him and he just like stumbles into opportunity because he's just so nice. You know what I mean? It was like, everybody loved Joe. I'll take it. <laughs> Wait, are, we, are we doing another reckoning right now? No, yeah, no, because I feel like that, but that's how I saw it at the time was like, but I knew there had to be something to it, right? Like it wasn't just Joe so nice. So everybody gives him an opportunity. Like it was obvious to me that 
you to accomplish things and you had been good or you wouldn't be where you were. Right. So I knew that it was there. Um, I think some of my teammates were probably a little more vocal about like, get him out of here. Um, maybe more so. I don't, I don't think I was there. I really don't remember it that way. Um, I think I was just more like this guy's killing me and I got all the stuff to do over here, like make it stop, figure it out. Um, yeah, that's kind of how I remember. Well, I think there was an element and I think I remember this quote. Um, and, um, I think I remember who actually first said it, um, was Melissa Reed actually that having a conversation with Joe is like taking a puppy for a walk. Um, you know, like there was all these non sequiturs and things like that. And and within a room of people, it's great because it takes all these tangential relationships among multiple kinds of people. And when you look back at how that conversation happened, it has kind of a through line that connects everybody in the room, or at least, you know, a lot of people in the room, but it's kind of random, like sort of taking a puppy for a walk. Are you sure that's Um, not us talking about you? (laughs) <laughs> right, right. I'm sorry, yeah. I had to. <laughs> yeah, no, I am the king of knowledge. I think that's, that's a pretty good assessment. That's a pretty good assessment of me. I don't know, generally. I do remember Kansas. one other piece that um, um, Shannon, um, in addition to A, us going through the sale of the company, um, B, that we were busier than ever. C, I think April 2008 was the, was literally our biggest revenue month ever in the history of spun logic. And of course it spun disappeared, but even our portion of engage shrank because the economy was beginning to recede a little bit. So April, which was like peak busyness on top of that, Shannon, you were pregnant with your first I was child. just going to say, I was about that time. I was spending and most of my time. Super sick. A second child and spending most of my time trying not to throw up in a trash can in yeah. the middle of that meeting. So yes. Yeah. Yes. So we, um, and then meanwhile, <laughs> like, yeah. And meanwhile, if I wasn't dealing with something with the company, I was dealing something with our lawyers, our investment bank, our accountants, or all the due diligence crap. So it literally it was peak busyness. Um, and Jeff was just so busy. He didn't even know anything was going on. All right. So let me pause for one moment because if people don't know us, they're going to be feeling really bad for Joe right now because <laughs> we're just like, yeah. but he, here's what, here's what people need to know. He, he now has a thriving, growing business doing exactly the thing that we're all saying he was terrible at, like literally doing that <laughs> thing. So it, it, it has a happy, happy outcome. So Joe, we sit down in the meeting, we start peeling back the onion. You clearly remember this was a big moment in your career. Was it not? Yeah, yeah. So, and actually, this wasn't the first time that this had happened to me in my career. I was managing an uh, Eddie Bauer in Jackson Hole, Wyoming, and my assistant managers all took me to breakfast to tell me to get my head out of my ass. So, wow. uh, I'd been through it once before, not quite in the same way, but I, uh, but yeah, it was, I, I remember that day crystal clear. I remember the conversation. I remember going home that night and, you know, having a conversation with my wife about what I, what I experienced that day. And tell us what it was like. By the way, I found I found my old pipeline uh, from 2008 too, and it was it was not bad. It was pretty good actually. <laughs> it ended up being being pretty good, even though we were going through a uh, that was the, there was a big economic downturn that happened yeah. right then too. Uh, but we had a good year. Um, so uh, so I got called in the meeting, and it was Ragu, Shannon, Melissa, uh, Ryan Tuttle, and Jeff. 
Uh, those were the people in the meeting. And it was basically, you know, everybody airing their, their grievances, so to speak, about why I wasn't prepared to do my job and I wasn't really uh, functionally able to do my job. And I remember hearing all the feedback and thinking to myself, you know, I've got two, I got two paths here. One is get really defensive and try to defend myself and, and start, you know, uh, you know, fighting back or listen to the feedback and accept it and, and, and decide what to do with it from there. And um, I don't remember a lot of the specific words, although I do remember Ragu kept saying over and over again, it's like you just don't care. It's like, and that was the one thing that caused me to really decide not to get defensive, but also I knew that there was nothing further from the truth. I cared more than anything. So I knew that that wasn't the real issue. And so to me, that led me to help me understand that the issues were not that, they were other things that may or may not have been legit and probably were legit based on, I wouldn't be called to this meeting if they weren't legit. Um, yeah. Uh, by the way, Joe, I think on the, as you don't care thing, I think that maps back a little bit to, we never thought through comp and well, a big piece of that and just multiple other sales things after that is when you're aligned on incentives, everybody cares about the same thing the right way, you know, meaning a $25,000 opportunity versus a $250,000 opportunity and the amount of work that you're being asked to pursue on each one should be drastically different. But, but if you don't set things up the right way, how do you know that you're asked for this thing versus something else or looking at your portfolio work coming through and seeing of how much help you can pull in to help you isn't a bottomless well. Um, so I think when you think about it that way, you're like, okay, it's like you don't care about the resources you're using or the amount of work involved for the size of an opportunity because it's really important to line all those things up together. Yeah, but here's the amazing thing. I think that was your main concern. And, and I think Shannon had a totally unique and different set of yeah. concerns. And I think Melissa had a totally unique and different set of concerns from that. Yeah. Um, uh, in other words, we, we I had was... one unified one, Joe. Um, and What's I that? think that was coming out of like the big meeting that I'm not sure we're supposed to be saying who the meeting was with. I, I, I don't have any problem with it after all these years, but Jeff or you, you Joe, you could say it, but, um, was we were also going from like a decent sized company with a few brand name clients to try to get these bigger and bigger deals. And we were finally having a chance to look really good to top notch companies. And we just didn't want to have all our effort and all our things just come across badly because we weren't set up right to have a really good meeting. Yeah. Because it's so hard to get the meeting in the first place though you want to walk in there just aligned and doing really well and just have a great meeting because you have those and half of the time you'll get you'll get the business but other times you can go through 10 of those meetings and get nothing and we yeah. wanted to be set up really well yeah i think another thing that i i've, I've actually heard you talk about um part of this and because you've told this story joe you're very brave telling this story out in the Thanks. public <laughs> which is the only reason i asked if we could do it but, you know, that was a very high performing team 
that you were thrust into in the middle of growth and change, but that team was performing exceptionally well. Um, and so you not getting it on the first try or the second try, I'm sure was really hard for that team to wrap its head around because they were to Shannon's point dealing with so many things. And so, but I've heard, but what I've heard you say before is that you respected everybody so much in that room that that helped you also process it and say, okay, there must be something here because these are, yeah. these are great people. So. Yeah. So, so during that meeting, I took notes and I, I definitely um, documented what I was hearing and I, I, I tried to, so that night I went home and spoke to my wife and I said, they want me out of here. Like they want me out of here. Um, and I said, I could have taken that job selling software for Oracle or one of the big software companies for twice as much money. Um, and I would have been hugely successful doing that. Although I do remember talking to a recruiter from one of those companies and they said, do you smoke and do you drink? And I said, no, not much. I don't, don't smoke and I don't drink much. And she said, well, you're going to start because this is really stressful. <laughs> so um yeah, but, that but was, I knew that I wasn't the be... sales pitch Ragu and I gave you to get you to. Come <laughs> Yours was a little different. Yeah, it's similar. <laughs> similar. Um, but so I, I knew that they wanted me out, um, and I, you know, so but I tried to document all of the things that I that I wasn't doing well, and I said to my wife, either I can go get a job and make twice as much money doing something else that I might not love as much, but I think I'll be successful and do fine. Or I can fight and try to figure out, solve these issues and problems that I'm having and, and prove them wrong, you know, that, that, that I am capable of doing this. And um, I did appreciate at the time that, you know, Jeff facilitated that meeting, um, partially because maybe you really did want me to have the opportunity to answer these concerns and deal with them. And partially because it wasn't really your problem. It was their problem. I mean, it was ultimately, but it was it was their problem to to air and solve with me, I guess. Um, but that night, I, I made a list of I boiled all the feedback into probably four or five key things that I thought were deficient from me. And you know, I remember some of those things were like attention to detail in my old life, in my old job. It was very to your points earlier, I could turn around a proposal in 15 minutes, mm -hmm. not two days. You know, it takes two days at an agency to get the feedback from different groups. And um, it was um, understanding of agency and agency world and agency life and not understanding the role of a business analyst and a user experience expert or, or a information architect or a, a developer or creative. Um, it was, um, you know, to your point, Ragu, not able to gauge which opportunities are a perfect fit and which opportunities we should just go ahead and pass on early on. And so anyway, there were, there were, there were these four or five things. And what I resolved to do was go back to each of the three people and show them my list. Here are the four things I'm going to do. And I always joke that it was things that were like, if you were only taller and more handsome and smarter, we would like you kind of thing. You actually they, they, said that in the follow-up. I remember that. Yeah. Uh, so it was like, they weren't easy things to change. I'm like, right. well, if I get yeah. some plastic surgery and some lifts in my <laughs> shoes and, and, and a 
reverse lobotomy, then we'll be good. But, um, but anyway, so I made the list of things. I came back to the three people and I said, Hey, if we can, if I can overcome these three or four challenges, are we good? And you all kind of begrudgingly said yes, in that you were kind of like, yeah, good luck with that. But sure, like if you can solve these four big things, then we're, we're good. And then I, I really focused on trying to learn and resolve those three or four things. So I spent a lot of time with the teams within the agency trying to understand what they did. And I, you know, I tried not to request too much time because I knew I was also using resources by asking them away from their jobs to talk to me. But, you know, I spent a lot of time looking over their shoulders while they did card sorting for UX tests and while they were writing code and while they were doing these things to try to understand how they did their jobs. And um, I, I started to really focus on proposals and how much detail, detail work has to go into doing an RFP response or a pitch or a proposal. And, um, you know, I was working on these things simultaneously while I was working on the sales side of things and trying to nurture some opportunities. And we started winning. We started winning several opportunities. And the more we started winning, the less concerned the team was about me and my specific performance. Um, because at the end of the day, I remember, Jeff, at one point you saying to me, I don't care if you go downstairs and run laps around the building, if you think that's going to help us win new business and it's going to, you know, if the results are there, then that's great. Um, and uh, I think that was the turning point, you know, me digging my heels in and making the decision that I was going to fight. And I don't mean fight the three people. I mean, fight to, 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 to give myself the tools and experience that I needed to be successful in the job. And by the way, as a result of doing that and sticking around and getting some wins after that, I think I earned the trust and respect of those three people who ended up being, you know, advocates, uh, not advocates, but, uh, you know, true partners for me. So to your point, Jeff, about high performing team, I became part of that high performing team. It just took some, some time and energy to get there. I remember after that meeting was over, like driving home that night and feeling like just sick to my stomach about what you had just gone through. I just remember feeling so bad. Like, you know, you just kind of like shrunk lower and lower and lower in your chair. You know, you were like maybe this tall when you walked out of the building and just remember thinking, man, ah, how's this guy going to do it? But, and I remember when you followed up with that meeting and you came in and you were super prepared. You had your list and you were like, here's what I heard. Here's what I'm going to do about it. And you're right. I was kind of like, all right, buddy, good, good luck. Let me know how I can help. But you did follow through because I remember it was almost like, a, you know, the annoying little brother there for a while too, because you were like, can I follow along on this research thing? And can I sit in on this thing? And you really worked hard to insert yourself into the stuff that we were doing and wanting to go into like, immerse in it and live it so you could understand it. I do remember that. Um, and, I, and I remember leaving that night and, and saying to Ryan, actually, um, man, if this guy rises from the ashes like a phoenix, it will be a miracle. And I feel like, yeah, there you go. And you did, you know, and I think that um, I took away a lot of things. I, I still think about it to this day. I think about as a result of it, how I give people feedback. Um, 
it still filters through my mind. And then also how I receive feedback and no one likes to, you know, not often do we like to sit around and get feedback about ourselves, but I remember watching what you went through and I always kind of think like, man, if he could sit through that, anybody can sit through a feedback session. So those were kind of some of the things I remember, like, you know, day of, and then here we are hindsight 2020 that I, I still talk about that. I still talk about that meaning to other people. Um, I was, I was going through something um, earlier, late last year and earlier this year with an employee that I was coaching that just cannot receive feedback, could not receive feedback. And I would try to draw from that and think about like, what was it that was so unique and special about Joe that he was able to do that where I can't get this one person to hear, you know, this piece of information about themselves. So it's, it's stuck in my brain for uh, probably forever. So um, I think this is probably not a management lesson, um, this particular uh, podcast, or or, mm-hmm. or maybe it is, because it's just not applicable, applicable yeah. to the vast majority no. of things. W- one, the question is, you know, should Shannon and, and I have waited that long to give him feedback? The answer is no. Should Jeff been so busy he didn't know what was going on? No. Should Joe have checked in sooner or more regularly to see how he was doing? Yes. Um, and should we have an airing of the grievances to hurry up and make up for the fact that we should have talked like three months earlier? Definitely. Yeah, um, definitely no. But in this particular case, it was the right thing to do because otherwise it would have lingered. And then a few months later, we would have just said, hey, Joe's not working out. You know, And especially with the salesperson, you hire somebody and you don't expect to close anything the first three months. They had to build a pipeline. They got to do a lot of things. But then six months in and then nine months in and then 12 months in, if you wait 12 months to finally like have that thing and there's still no pipeline, what did you just invest 12 months in for? Mm-hmm. Um, so it's just, you just had to manage sales differently. But I think there was a unique set of personalities involved that were even without this, we would have been friends if we had gotten to know each other. And because yeah, of yeah. that, um, the, the good culture of Spun and into Engage were, there was a number of core friendships that we naturally brought together people with different backgrounds, sure, but like enough ability to give each other shit or to support each other or to think about each other in the right way that at varying times, we really supported each other through ups and downs. Mostly ups, though. I mean, we really grew mm-hmm. ultimately through it all. The thing that I remember is that after that, you all felt way more comfortable just directly telling him when he did something wrong or like, you know, it was so clear to me, like how quickly it was like, Joe, I told you the last time we talked, read this, go back and read that. Like you guys felt comfortable doing that. And it, well, yeah, I mean, after ability. you <laughs> ripped the bandaid off the way no. we did, what's, what's left? Yeah. Okay. None of that, no other feedback after that phased me a bit. No. I was like, ah, whatever. He was bulletproof. <laughs> he was bulletproof after that. No, I mean, I do think, um, you know, here we are now so many years later, what, like, you know, 12 years later, um, and we know so much more about empathy and leading with empathy. Um, I think we were getting a big lesson in it at that time and we just didn't know. I mean, I think about it a lot now, like I said, and how you give people feedback. And I don't ever hesitate now to give feedback to people. I don't wait. Um, That was probably the biggest lesson that I learned out of it is I don't ever want to get to an uncomfortable situation like that ever again with anybody that I work for or that works for me. Um, 
that I'm much more on the fly with feedback, good and bad. Um, you know, so I think that's probably a really good, you know, takeaway as a result of it. And then also just, you know, the, the things you give people feedback around, you know, we're so used to thinking about it from a performance review standpoint and having these sort of buckets of things. And you don't always capture all those squishy things around it that don't fit into some of those buckets. So I think um, that's something that I think I've try to focus on and, and, you know, grow over the year. So like I said, I don't ever find myself either where you were sitting at that table um, or where I was sitting at that table. <laughs> for that matter. Yeah. By it. the way, I think of it, I see it as this big arc from the time we roughly around the time we hired Joe, which still is also that six month meeting. I mean, it's just a very, sounds like a long time, but really the first few months flew by because we were just so busy with everything else um, all the way through um, for a different call, um, I think Jeff might have been in that meeting as well. But I was in a meeting in um, in Columbus years years later for a really good opportunity. That was just a bunch of prep went into it, and the meeting just didn't go well. Kind of an odd dynamic in the meeting. It was just frustrated. Hopped in a plane, flew to um, Philly to meet up with Joe and Jeff. Maybe Jeff might have been in flying with me from Columbus to Philly. Um, and then driving in the rainstorm to see, um, to, um, you know, to, um, Hershey. um, for Hershey's and we threw out everything and we just said, Hey, let's just walk into this meeting because we knew that we were on, um, in sync with each other and just really knew and literally said, um, the beginning of the line was, what would you like to talk about today? And then the person said back, I don't know, you're the one who asked for the meeting. And then immediately after that, <laughs> immediately after that, we had the like seconds after that, we launched into stuff and had one of our best meetings of all time, close the business and won, you know, won a lot of work with them. Like we're literally seeing objects in the room and incorporating that into our pitch, which was the exact opposite of the pitch in Columbus. That I think Jeff and I were both at that even with a bunch of prep, the chemistry wasn't right for the people on our side to have any quality meeting. It was just very time-consuming, frustrating, and blew a really good opportunity there. And then suddenly came into this other one and just said, hey, look, we trust each other. We know each other. We know we know the firm really well. Let's both walk in there and just have a great conversation with no slides. And that's like the arc of the beginning to, you know, kind of the peak era where we just really knew what we could do well. And when everybody in the room had that equal amount of confidence, and belief in each other, mm. it was really good. And what was missing in Columbus for that prior meeting wasn't that we didn't know what we were doing really well. There just wasn't that, you know, everybody wasn't in sync with each other and there just wasn't that trust that everybody in the new mm. room knew exactly what the agency was doing the best of if any other agency in the country at that moment. That's a really good point. I think we got so good at it because we, to your point, trusted each other. Um, and no one was trying to be the one with all the answers. Okay. We kind of threw the ball around the room based on, you know, whatever needed to be talked about at that time. So we got really good at it. Thank you. Thanks to Joe. You're sticking oh, around. Thanks. Well, <laughs> yeah. And Jeff, you brought up something that I want to kind of address, which you're like, well, how courageous for you to talk about this situation. I mean, you know, you all know me. I mean, I'm a very optimistic person and a very positive person. I try to be at least. And 
why wouldn't I talk about it? It was a pivotal moment in my life that caused me to grow so incredibly much and learn so incredibly much that it was a hugely positive experience. I mean, I can tell you how incredibly terrible an experience it was that day. And, and, and even for the weeks after that, while I was putting in the work to try to learn, but it turned out to be a very crucial, you know, we can all remember certain points in our career where a conversation or a person or a thing or an event happened that had a profound impact on the rest of the trajectory of our careers. And that was certainly one of those moments for me where, um, you know, overcoming that difficult feedback and putting in the work to get to the place that I wanted to be allowed me to be prepared for all of the other things that came later. And um, I always looked at it like that. I never looked at it as, well, I mean, I kind of joked at the beginning of this conversation, I changed my name from Joe Kaufman, the victim. I was never the victim, you know, I, I brought it on myself, right? But the, 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 we always have two choices of how we respond to something. One response is to crumble and one response is to rise. And I, I chose in this case, the, the take this feedback as a way to grow and get better versus take that feedback as a you know, way to crumble. Um, and, and I don't think that's heroic. I think that that's, we should all you know, take adversity and use it to our advantage. You know, I mean, it's to use it to our advantage. So, um, Joe, you won't notice it until you look back at the podcast uh, or video, but um, behind you, you have one of your setup, um, you know, um, pieces, and there's an arrow pointing right at your head, like you're being set up for something. Um, huh. But yeah, it's, it's sort of the theme of- Set up for entire... success, Ragu, on being set up for success. Exactly. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, Joe, I- I. Uh... I appreciate you. I love that, um, you know, we were able to tell you how much we um, respected you for coming out of that, doing the hard work, um, having to face everybody that next day. Um, and to Ragu's point, maybe there's some lessons in here, probably um, lessons not to do some of the things we did, but, but at least uh, we got to a good conclusion. So um, any, any parting words from my guests before we close it down? If you're going to spend several years in business together, make sure you do it with people that you would have spent several years with anyway. Because right. it's uh, there's no point in wasting your life, you know, putting out good effort with each other if you don't really like each other and would have done it in a different context other than just work. I love it. We'll end on that. Oh, Shannon, you got say, something. I got nothing after that. I, I oh, mean, I do. I, I would also just say, you know, there's value in feedback, good and bad. Actually, there's probably more value in bad feedback than good. And so let feed, bad feedback fuel you, you know I mean? There's an opportunity to let it fuel you. Um, and as a lesson, as a leader, you know, to your, our points is deliver that feedback because I think the person getting the feedback will appreciate it um, and, and will be able to grow from it. It's sort of like, uh, you know, uh, when you're at a restaurant, if you don't complain about something and then give them a bad review or rating, the restaurant a hundred times percent of the time would rather you give the feedback immediately about something you didn't like than leave a bad review or rating later. Give them an opportunity to fix it, 
you know, I mean, and thank you all for giving me an opportunity to fix it. I didn't get fired in that meeting. I, you know, I had an opportunity to get better and grow. So thank you for the feedback and giving me the opportunity to fix it. Good to see everybody. Thanks for doing this. That was fun. Thank you. Bye. Bye, Shannon. Bye, guys. Bye. Thanks. Wow, you made it to the end of the podcast. I didn't think people did that anymore. Well, since I still have you, I'd love for you to do two things. First, subscribe to this podcast on whatever platform you're listening on. That way you'll be alerted as soon as I post my next one. And second, I'd love for you to subscribe to my email newsletter. I send out an email every week or two, and it's really where I share my more personal thoughts and ideas. Plus, I give stuff away sometimes. You can find the sign up at my blog, jeffhillemeyer.com. And I really do appreciate you listening.